good morning. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the only way to heaven. There's only one way, and today's discussion, we're going to get into that. So grab a notepad, grab a Bible. Good morning to you. Hope you're watching the show uh, for the first time or for a long time if you've been watching it. But if you're watching for the first time, be sure to subscribe on my YouTube channel. And thank you always for everybody that does subscribe, like, and share the video. I appreciate everybody that's on. But today we're going to open up our Bible in just a second. But I've got six points for you at the only way to get to heaven. You know, the, the Bible says that there's a heaven to gain and there's a place that we don't want to go that we want to shun away from us. We don't want to go to another place than heaven. The separation from God that we experience on this earth. When we sin, when we're separated from our God, or that feeling of being separated from God is what eternal hell feels like. And I want to make sure that every person has an opportunity to make heaven because it's coming soon to where Jesus is going to return. And I want to make sure that everybody's had the opportunity to make a decision on where they want to spend their eternity. But point number one, as we get into this, today's episode, point number one, there is a heaven and there is a hell. I want you to turn your Bible to Romans chapter 2, the second chapter of Romans. But the Bible is clear to us that there is a heaven and there is a hell. It's not just an invisible nowhere land that we end up when we die, which a lot of people think that we either, I think a lot of people even believe that there's a returning to the earth in some cases. Maybe you regain your consciousness or of some sort or you become a different person or Maybe you become a tree or an animal, whatever the case is. I don't know where they get this doctrine or what type of ideas these have come from, but our Bible, which we believe, tells us that there's a heaven and that there's a hell. Point number one, there is a heaven and hell. So Romans chapter two, turn with me into verse five. The Bible says this, Romans two and five, but in accordance with your hardness and impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Verse seven, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor and immortality. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation, anguish, on every soul of man who does evil for the Jew first and for also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, the fir- and first the, the Jew first and also the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Now there's promised a time that, we will, that will come when we will uh, experience the wrath from heaven that uh, not, I wouldn't say we, but the people that have declined or rejected the things that offer are offered through the work of Jesus. Many people will experience this wrath that have declined that work here and now. And there's a way to escape this, but there, there's a promise of heaven and there's a promise of hell. Uh, also turn with me into the, a couple books back, but in John three, John three, Jesus speaks specifically In verse 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So then he contrasts, Jesus himself 
contrasts that there's a heaven to gain and that there's an everlasting life to gain and that there's an alternative of perishing. So he, he divides the two. He says there's a perishing and then there's an everlasting life. You could go, go either direction. One is eternal, which we can't even fathom. You can't fathom, put your head around eternity. It's too long. We've only experienced beginnings and ends. But in the word, in the Bible, it talks clearly about the fact that there is a eternal promise and then there is a promise for perishing. And he divides between the two, which we're going to get into, get into here in just a second. Point number two, judge yourself now and avoid harsher judgment later. Judge yourself now and avoid harsher judgment at a later time. Take time to inventory yourself. This is one I think of one of the greatest things that a man can do as they mature in life and in the things of God, man or woman, not just man, is to begin to judge yourself or take conscientious, take inventory, be conscientious of, I should say, inventory of yourself and where you are, where you stand, how you think, where your mind goes, what your feelings go and are attracted to. Begin to focus on things and inventory yourself so that later God doesn't have to do it to you as harshly. He's going to still judge you. There's still going to be judgment that's given to the person that makes heaven. But there's a judgment to come. Hebrews chapter 9, turn with me there. Hebrews the ninth chapter. Judge yourself now so later there doesn't have to be a harsher judgment on you. So in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him who will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So again, I'm premising this. You can now turn over to 1 Corinthians as I'm reading this again. As it is written, or as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So this is clear in the word that men will die one time. We're not going to die multiple times. There's not going to be multiple deaths. So I'm not saying people can't come back to life and that those instances have happened before where somebody dies and they're, they regain consciousness. They're brought back to life. That's happened in the medical field. That's happened supernaturally with a miracle. Someone's been brought back to life. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but it is appointed for one time that a person is to be deceased. And once they die, they don't regain life back here on this earth once they've been completely considered dead you know nobody's been dead uh, jesus i believe is probably the longest one that's been dead in history and came back to life that's probably the longest record i don't i don't there may be another one but jesus was dead for three days in a grave and now his spirit was alive he was doing work and he was battling regaining our victory in hell which maybe we'll do a podcast on that and what happened in the three days um, but one of my favorite books ever off, this is a little off topic, but one of my favorite books I encourage you to read it is from the cross to the, what happened from the cross to the throne. And that's, uh, by E.W. Kenyon. It's one of my favorite books. I, I probably read it once a year, but it's my favorite book and just a powerful understanding of the work that Jesus did. But my point is he did die 
on a fr- you know we know it as a Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday he rose again on that third day, and that's what we recognize as our Easter, and we celebrate his uh, his regaining, coming back to earth and coming back to life, and now he sits on that throne. But you know, you think of people who've died and they come back to life. Lazarus in the Bible, uh, other people, young children that had died in the Bible and, and were brought back to life. Uh, whatever the case was, it wasn't days and days and years that they were dead. They die. Once you've really died and you're considered dead for a period of time, you're not coming back. You're not coming back as a tree. You're appointed once to die. You get to live a life. You live a life here on earth, 80, 90 years, 100 years. You're promised 120. You, you know, you, you've been given that. So you can look forward to 120 years on this earth. And if you live to that, there's not another returning back to it and you don't get another opportunity here on this earth to do what you had done. So live your life as if this is the last time you're going to live. Now that doesn't mean live lavishly or in terms of, I don't mean lavish. You could live lavishly and beautifully. If you put God first in your life, I mean, live, you don't live lasciviousness in lasciviousness and, and lewdly and, and, you know, with with just crude lifestyle because it's your only life. No, you live as if this is the life that God gave you and you live it on purpose. You have intention with your life. You have intention with your uh w- with your thoughts. You have intention with your actions. You have intention with your business. You have intention with your family. Everything is intentional. You inventory yourself. You take conscientiousness and uh, responsibility for what you do and how you think and you Live life on purpose as if God is watching what you do and that he's empowered you to do what you do. That's how you live a life on purpose. And that's how you live a fulfilled life. When you don't, when you don't, when you live an, you'll live an unfulfilled life when you don't live on purpose, when you're just existing, that's when you don't feel fulfilled. But I don't want to, I don't want to digress. First Corinthians chapter 11, go there real quickly with me. First Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 31 says this. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned by the world. So when we, what, what he's saying, Paul's saying is if we would take time, I like that word inventory. When you would judge yourself, when you would, uh, predict an outcome based on your actions, which is what judging is. You're judging your actions. You're taking inventory for your actions. Paul says, if you do that, we won't, you won't be judged. You'll be less. There'll be a lesser judgment for you by God because he won't have to chasten you or correct you as much for your actions that you're taking. So if you would just judge yourself, take inventory, you should do this. If not daily, multiple times a week especially every month, multiple times and try it. I would do it daily. Take, be conscientious of who you are. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Where's your time being spent? Where are your efforts being spent? Take inventory of these things. And it's important. And what does this have to do with getting to heaven? You're about to see because uh, point number three is talking about your reality, what you believe as reality. So let's go into that point. Number three, a belief is a reality. A belief is a reality. You've heard that um, people's perception becomes reality. What you perceive is what you 
what you believe. So in other words, if someone perceives something to be a certain way, they believe it to be a certain way. And so your beliefs, where your belief system lies, is what is reality to you. And what, what, you, what you believe inside of you that becomes reality is how you will begin to perceive things. It's how you'll begin to see things from your perspective that you believe this a certain way. You think this a certain way. This is truly a conviction inside of you. You believe it. So now you begin to see it a certain way. And that becomes your reality in life. If you're convinced that everybody thinks lowly of you, or let's start backwards. You're taking inventory of yourself and you think lowly of yourself. You're going to start thinking other people think lowly of you. That's your belief now. Then that becomes your reality, even when it's not. it may not be the case. People think you're no good. People don't think you're good enough. And again, that doesn't matter. But my point is some people think that way. I'm just not good enough. I don't, I don't measure up or, you know, people don't think that greatly of me or whatever the case is. If you believe that way, first, if you think of yourself that way, and then you think of other people thinking of you that way, that becomes reality to you. That's how you perceive the world. So your belief system is your reality. This is why it's important to take inventory of yourself, take inventory of your things so that you can base your beliefs on something that you want to be your reality. Base your beliefs on something that you want to be a solid footing foundation for your life. When you don't have a good reality, when your reality is something depressing and sad, then you go that direction. That's where your life follows. But when your belief system is based on something irrefutable, unmoving, solid, like the word of God, and your belief system is based on that, you, you can grow, you, you'll have no problem being confident in life. You'll have no problem walking with your head up and your shoulders back, knowing that God has appointed you. He's called you. He's chosen you. He loves you. He cares about you. That's what being based on the word of God does. But you have to base your beliefs on something solid. So your belief system, though, becomes your reality. Uh, your, I wrote this down. Your inward images produce an outward perception. Inward images produce an outward perception. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, since we're right here in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So the root of now, when you believe something, what happens is, and Paul's just quoting a scripture from Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 116, David uh, wrote this in the book of Psalm, and he, he, in that particular scripture, and he's quoting that, but he's using it as an example that when we have this same attitude or this same nature of faith as, 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 as Jesus did, we have the same ability of inside of us that believes then what happens is that belief turns into reality and that's the way our our words follow. Your belief is the beginning of your words. Where your beliefs begin, your that's where your I should say this, where your belief ends, your words begin. So your belief system produces the words that you speak. Your inward image is becomes an outward, it will produce an outward perception for your life. So uh, now we begin to get into the foundation of where salvation comes from. 
of the only access that you get to heaven. So what does this have to do with getting into heaven? Well, if you don't believe, number one, that there is a heaven, then you don't have a reality of heaven. There's no reality of a place to go after you die. Maybe you just go into the abyss. Maybe you return back to dust in your mind. That becomes a reality of you. So if that becomes your reality, you're going to begin to speak that way. Now you get into a situation where God set laws into motion that you and I cannot change and are irrefutable. They're, they're unchangeable. This is the laws that God has set into place. God didn't say you get into heaven because of your actions. He didn't say you do certain things and I'm going to give you access to heaven. He didn't say I'm going to give my son to the earth and if you will acknowledge him, then you'll get into heaven. God set it up very specifically that our access to heaven begins with belief and ends with words. Turn into Romans chapter 10. Your access into heaven begins with words and, and or begins with belief rather. Your access into heaven begins with belief and ends with words. It begins with belief, ends with words. Jesus provides access to these things though. Romans 10, 9 says this. Starting eight, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart. One believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you can't get You can't escape the believing and the words, the words and the belief work in conjunction to produce an outcome in your life, your belief system, your word system, they produce an outcome in your life. You cannot escape that your words will produce an outcome every single time they come out of your mouth. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful, great, terrible, whatever you begin to speak is the outcome that will begin to be produced in your life. Even if you don't choose that, you will begin to replicate what you say and believe on a daily basis that will, you'll begin to see that in your life. Remember, because what you believe and say, that's your reality. That's what you see. It, it, even if other people pretend not to see it or they don't, they don't acknowledge it. That becomes your reality in your life. Point number four, point number four, Jesus reveals some truth bombs for us about heaven. So now we start to see that the access to get into heaven is beginning to be revealed by Jesus in the New Testament about the things to come for us, the believers that are, that are here. Turn to John 14. Jesus begins to reveal some truth bombs about heaven. You like that? Truth bombs. John 14, go to verse 6. And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And he's saying to you, not only is heaven available to you, but Jesus, where, where is Jesus talking about? I am the way, the truth, the life. Where is he talking about? Where's the way? The way is to heaven. The access is to heaven. The truth, the life here on earth. John 10 and 10 says that he came to give life and life more abundantly. 
So he not only came for now, but he came for life in abundance here and now and later. That's an abundant life. Part of life is having optimistic hope about your future. That produces a good life. When you have optimistic hope about your future, that produces part. That's a good product of a good life. It's not the only thing, right? Like um, money, a, a beautiful family, um, a wonderful home that you share your with your family, friends and, and social events and things like that. Those are all products of a wonderful life here on earth, just naturally, right? But the optimisticness or the, the ability to see a future that's optimistic for your life is hopeful for you and for me. That brings hope to us and that produces a good life. That's why Jesus said, I give you life and life more abundance. So I give you life here and now, but I give you life now in abundance, in an abundantly knowing that you don't just have this life to look forward to. There's so much more to look forward for you. You have so much more to look forward to. Point number five, point number five, Jesus wants you to believe different first. He wants you to begin to believe different first. Go back to John 3 and 16. He wants you to begin to believe different first. John 3 and 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in uh, that they have been done in God. So God, Jesus wants you to believe on him. And believe, listen to what he said back in verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. So before, so you believe on him, you postpone what could be condemnation to you when you choose to believe on Jesus. You choose to believe something that Jesus did, is, and will be. Now you can receive of the freedom that he brings to your life. There's a freedom to it. And now he wants you to believe on that so that you can move forward in life with the expectation that you receive of the promises that he has for you. And point number six, finally, point number six, what are you going to do about it? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What are you going to do about it? Remember what we just read in John 14. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one that can get to the father except through me. So let me ask you this. What are you going to do about that now? What kind of ability has God given you? These are some things that you've got to understand about your life that you've been empowered. You've been equipped. Mark 16 calls us. He gives us, he commissions us. Matthew 28, he commands us to go to the world and preach this gospel. But then in Acts 1, 
in a different setting in the Bible, but in the same context of these commissions to go and preach the gospel. He says, don't go though until you've been empowered with the Holy Ghost to do what I've called you to do because you need my power with you. You can't do it by yourself. Your belief is good for you, but you need the power of the Holy Ghost to compel others, compel them to come into the same belief that you have. So what are you going to do about it now? Are you going to save it and hold it for yourself? Or are you going to tell people about the goodness of the good, the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly? I hope this helped you today and this blessed you. This was six points at 6 a.m. talking about the only way to heaven. And that's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven but through him. Love you so much. I'll see you on the next broadcast. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.